2: Welcome to How to Date, a show about how to master the messy, complex, challenging and bizarre world of dating when you really didn't think you'd be back here again. I'm your host, Dr. Amantha Imba, And I'm your co-host, Monique Robin. Today's episode is going to be slightly different because we're going to start with hearing from Monique about something really, really awful that happened to her when she went on a date over the Christmas holidays. And that also ties into our guest today, who is Anshel Rege, who is an associate professor with the Department of Criminal Justice at Temple University over in the States. And we're going to be talking to her all about scams and how to make sure that you don't fall victim to a dating scam. So, Monique, I'm not going to ask you how your weekend dating was because we're actually going to talk about something that happened right at the beginning of this year over the Christmas holidays. And we haven't recorded this until now because it was, I'd say, to say it was traumatic is an understatement. It was one of those rock bottom moments for you. So, it all started, well, it started for me when I got a text message from you must have been at six in the morning saying are you awake and that like that's not a good text message to receive from a friend unless i you know knew that maybe you were on a really great date the night before which was not the case and it turns out you'd had one of the worst nights of your life so do you want to talk about what happened
0: yeah, look, Amantha. I know this this episode's been a long time coming because I really feel an obligation to relay this story. But I, I've got to be honest; I still haven't reconciled it. It's still intensely traumatic for me. And it's not a story of humor, but it is a story that I really want to get out there so that it does not happen again. Clearly, obviously, we're always going to be vulnerable to scams, to dating scams. That's what we're talking about today. But um, the more awareness that is out there, the more protected, I hope, people are. So First, I want to say, and I think you will agree, and I'd like you to, to disagree if that's not the case, I am extraordinarily vigilant and perceptive with people. I feel that I am not vulnerable emotionally to a scam. I feel I'm pretty savvy.
2: Definitely. You are way smarter than the average bear. Yeah. I've got good street sense. I feel, I
0: don't know why years of having to have my wits about me for other reasons, but either way, I feel that if it's going to happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Let's get that straight. Definitely. Now, Amantha and I, since this scam that I'm about to tell you about, have also done a lot of research into dating scams and a lot of dating scams involve long-term grooming. And this dating scam, was very different. And it was the fact that it was so instantaneous and so quick that it happened to me. So that's my first point. Before I get into the story, I'd like to express that sometimes if you think of sleight of hand or pickpocketing through uh, distraction, through quick, fast-paced cadence, you can be victim to a scam. And that is what happened to me. Let me explain it. Met a guy online, and I don't know about our listeners, I don't know about you, Samantha, but I often talk for a little while, maybe at least 10 exchanges before we move into, say, um, giving each other our mobiles. This guy was really quick. A few exchanges, we'd swapped numbers. That day he was charming and video calling me and this and that. Happened that I had my youngest daughter with me and my mum said to me, I'd like to see Charlie, my youngest daughter, um, have some time out. She never proactively offers that. Sure enough, the guy that I'd been talking to said, what are you doing tonight? To which I said, I'm having a night on my own. He said, come on, don't do that. Come and meet me for a drink. I said, no, I'm not dressed for a drink. He goes, just a quick one. And I thought, what have I got to lose? I'll, I'll meet you for a quick one. He chose the venue. And that's important to note. He also chose the table. Mm, Okay. And I'll tell you why that's important, because venues are often equipped with video cameras. So if a scam is going to occur in a venue, a scammer will often position themselves in a way where there is no video footage of the scam occurring. Super dodgy, isn't it? Yeah, so there you go. That's something to consider. We sit down at the table. I automatically thought, I'm not that into you. He was a little bit of a fast talker, a bit rough, but I kind of liked the fact that he was a bit, I guess, knockabout, a bit relaxed. So I was willing to give him a chance even though my gut instinct was, no, I'm not that interested. We had some rudimentary conversation and then I said, what do you do with yourself? And what appealed to me and made him trust me about his answer was that he was quite humble. He said, look, look, it's going to sound a little bit more inflated than it is, but I've, I'm semi-retired. And then he kind of qualified it with not in a lifestyle that most people would retire with, but, you know, a pretty pretty good one. And he was pretty embarrassed about the fact that he retired and I thought that was kind of cute. Mm. And I said, oh, what, what doing? And he said, I'm a professional sports better, Like gambler. Well, that's what your instinct is, isn't it? And I said, I think that was my response. What, gambler? He said, no, educated sports betting. And when I asked how does that work, he was really keen to show me the online platforms and things like that that he uses. But And also he explained that he pays researchers for information to make educated bets. And I said to him, Obviously, being a bit suspicious, that sounds like insider trading. Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, no, no! It's publicly available information sold by enthusiasts that are obsessed with whatever the sport is in whichever the country." And I'm like, "Okay." And he, he said, "There's there is no information about you know the inner workings of the players or the team. It's all publicly available." I said, okay. And I said, and how much do you pay for this information? You know, all these questions. And he said, well, it's a percentage of the winnings and the percentage depends on the history of these researchers. If they've got a good winning streak, they get a higher percentage and things like that. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. And he gave me the names of these companies that sell this research and it sounded like a business, pretty legit. And I said, oh, so what kind of sports do you bet on? He goes, here, let me just show you. So he said, download one of the sports betting apps. And I said, oh, which one? And he gave me the choice, like very um, a a grooming kind of behavior, empowered me. He said, oh, it doesn't matter which one you choose. That's Uh, right. It's like a magician going, pick any card. Yes. Yeah. So I downloaded a random app and my subconscious went, oh, that's got a lot of five-star ratings. I'll choose that one. You know, I'm not going to name the app because obviously they're now involved in the investigation. So I downloaded this app and he's showing me how it works. He's saying, look, you can bet on Korean basketball. You can go into here and bet on Australian football and this and that. And I'm trying to take interest because this is his job. And he's also, mind you, just as an aside, looking at my yoga app and looking at how I do yoga online. So he's not it's not just me taking interest in him. He goes, look, there's a, it shows you what events are about to occur. Look, there's a horse race in Hong Kong about to start. Why don't you bet, to see how the app works, why don't you bet a dollar on a horse? Mm. And I went, yeah, okay, I thought that was fun and it's clearly a legitimate app. I think it had fat, tens of thousands of five-star ratings. So I bet a dollar in it, and as I bet it, it prompts me to set up an account including my credit card details. As I'm doing that, he's like, before I even decided whether I'd do it or not, before I even objected, oh, no, it's it's asking me for my credit card details, I can't be bothered, he's using this fast-talking scammer language of saying, turn your phone away. I don't want to see you enter your credit card details. That's so unsafe. You women, my goodness. So he's like already putting it in my head that I'm about to enter my credit card details. And that I'm safe in doing so because he's protecting me. So I enter my credit card details because by this point I don't want to let him down, put a dollar on and he goes, oh, God, I feel bad now. And he puts a dollar on the table type thing, joking, you know. And sure enough, the horse loses. We go on to the and that's it. Oh, we're back and forth with the phone, me showing him my uh, yoga stuff, him showing me different uh countries and how you bet on events. And then he's handing the phone back, passing out, handing, showing me screens, a lot of fast talking, fast movements. And then we continue on with our date. And after two drinks, I think maybe even only one drink, I said, I'm going to call it It quits. And then we walked out together, but I sensed him lingering. He didn't want to leave. And I'm lingering because by then I'm feeling a bit uneasy about it. I don't know why intuitively. And what I thought was, oh, he's a retiree. (laughs) He doesn't want me to see his fancy car or something that I might judge him because he said he retired modestly or something. This is the thoughts I'm having. But I'm not letting him get away with it. I then get into my average car and he gets into his beaten-up Suzuki Swift Mm -hmm. in front of me. Now, call me judgmental. But I'm thinking, okay, modest retirement's one thing, but unroadworthy retirement? (laughs) That's another thing. Seriously. Mm. Mm. So something compelled me to take a photo of the registration. Mm. Anyway, I get in the car and I'm feeling really uneasy, really rattled. What do I do? I go straight into that gambling app. I'm not going to mention the amount, but it was everything I had on my Visa debit card, so my savings, a link to my savings. Mm. He had debited me for thousands of dollars. How had he done that, though? Because you'd had your phone the whole time, hadn't you? I'm going to answer that question, but before I do, I'm going to tell you another thing. I later found out he had been out of jail for six months for the same scam where he had scammed women a total of $85,000 for the same thing. He is on a court order as part of his early release, to repay these women. So I suspect he got back into this scam to raise the money as a gambling addict to now repay the prior debt. Mm. Just as an aside, so I'm not the first person. I went to the toilet twice in that date. I go to the toilet a lot. I've had four children, weak bladder, you know that. Also, what he did was in the fast-moving of grabbing my phone, showing me something, handing the phone back. He had placed bets on the app on a fixed Korean volleyball game. Now you're going to say, okay, that doesn't matter because if it wins, it's going to be your winnings because yeah. it's in your name. No, I'll tell you why he does it. So firstly, if you are a subscriber to these online betting platforms and you continually bet, bet on things that come out of south korea which are known to be fixed and what does fixed mean fixed means their one team has already um been paid off to lose oh so the outcome's kind of predetermined yeah it doesn't always happen Uh uh-huh but it's 90 percent of the time 80 percent of the time that team's going to win right so constantly on these online betting apps people are watching how your bet your, your betting behavior so if you bet 10 times on an AFL game and just once on that, it's not suspicious, mm. right, or you might they'll let it go through to the keeper. What this guy does is he gets women to bet and then he extorts the money out of them, threatens them. How? So well, when- what you did was illegal, that's a fixed game, you give me the money and I won't report you to the police or... Oh. And I don't know exactly how he's done it, but this is what because my investigation obviously hasn't been concluded because I can't get too much information off the police. But something like I'll th- maybe I'll threaten your children.
2: Wow! If
0: because also another thing that was really disconcerting is to set up this account, you have to enter in your address, don't you? Your mm. home address. He knows where I live. Oh God! So he had through the fast handling back and forth of my phone bet thousands of dollars on a fixed game. And I am now in a position where I am still having this these erroneous bets investigated by both my bank
2: and by the betting app in the hope that I will recoup my money. So you're in the car when you realise this, after you've seen the car that he's driving and you're kind of your, your intuition has gone off, there's something not right. So you've seen that he's placed these huge bets. So what do you do when you've realised that?
0: Okay, the first thing I did is rang, rang him because I had his mobile number. Hysterical. Because, you know, the situation I'm in at the moment, cash flow is an, is a concern.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: And uh, it put me into a spin. I rang him and I, I went, what have you done to me? And he went very calmly and straight away giving me the indication that he has done this before he's like don't worry it's going to win huh so
2: he, he admitted he did it
0: yeah he said don't worry it's going to win and you're going to be very wealthy if you don't call the police it's going to win
2: oh my god so what do you do
0: uh the first thing i do is call the bank because I'm hoping that the transaction's still pending. The bank said, well, you entered your credit card details into the app, so you're going to have to wait till that's out of pending and then dispute the transaction. So then I ring the betting app and and I say, help, I didn't make that bet. And they said, well, yes, you did because you set up the account, did you or did you not? Yes, I did. Oh, God. And then I ring the police. And that's where you came into it. I rang the police. The police didn't want to take a statement then and there, remember? That's right, because you called them like at
2: midnight or like in the middle of the night.
0: while this was all transpiring. Yeah, yeah. So I called the police. The police took some details but not an official statement. And it wasn't until I spoke to you and you went, did you make an official statement? I said, well, I told them what happened over the phone you were like, no, that's not an official statement. You need to go into the police
2: station and that's when you came became a part of the story. That's right. So we went into our local police station and we were there, I reckon, three or four hours just to give a statement and then that's when we learned actually that the person that had scammed you was known to the police, in inverted commas, and in terms of where things are at now, the investigation's well underway.
0: Yeah, look, it's been referred to a special crime investigation unit, so they've taken it seriously, the Vic Police. There is an issue because of the nature of the scam and a lot of it was because of my vulnerability in terms of, um, you know, I did put my credit card details into the app. I did set up the account. So I'm hoping to get my money reimbursed. I know the women who had been scammed in the past for which this gentleman, this asshole, went to jail for, I know they didn't get their money back and it's only through the court system that he is now required to reimburse them. But what I want to point out more than the money itself is how this has left me and what it did to me in the first instance. So given that I'm in the process of a quite expensive divorce, finances are a very big vulnerable point for me at the moment, particularly given that four children are in my care. I do not know what I would have done had I not had the likes of you offering to support me when I literally overnight had no money to feed my children it sounds dramatic but that is actually the truth of my situation I had no money and I cannot imagine a woman in my predicament who did not have the resources that I have how they would have got through this I was so unhinged So scared. I don't think I have ever been so vulnerable to a very devastating mental health concern and I'm not being dramatic. And in hindsight, all it can say to me is what would have somebody even more worse off than me done? Yeah, I've never seen you like that. Yeah, it was absolutely rock bottom, I would say. It was absolutely rock bottom. And it will probably come out in this season when we relay our dating stories I'm using this time now in terms of providing content for the podcast and that sort of thing, really getting in the minds of my friends who are dating, and that will be probably what I'll bring to our conversation because I have lost all faith in dating. I can't even imagine dating ever again. I clearly would love to to meet somebody genuine but I'm in such a vulnerable position, both in terms of being a fully formed person, ready to meet someone, but also in my faith in men. And what I would encourage come of this is that when you find yourself um, in an experience that is just so devastating that you use it for an opportunity for self-development so that maybe you may not be in a place where you can date, but you're perhaps now in a place where you're ready to work on yourself. And that's what I think I'll be doing.
2: Yeah. And that's what, cause we've kind of, we've got a pact, I guess, because it would be really easy for you in a low moment or looking for distraction to hop back on one of the apps and find validation through men, but We've got a pact where you're going to have 10 sessions with a psychologist to do work on yourself and just get mentally stronger and I think ready again to do what you have to do when you're dating, which is essentially make yourself vulnerable to the people that you're going on dates with. Absolutely. But really what I want to say
0: for the sake of representing those people that have been victims of dating scams is It may seem like a pact to you, but to me, it's not even an issue. I absolutely fear the idea of having done 10 sessions and have to go back to dating. I am honestly wondering whether I will ever date again. That is the level of impact this event has had on me. And you know, Amantha, you know more than anyone that I am so resilient I've been knocked over so many times in my life and got back up bigger and better than ever. And I just, I feel so compelled to be, I don't know, an advocate for people that have been left to feel this vulnerable by a dating scam, because I cannot
2: believe how much this has affected me. And I think for me, it's been like awful witnessing it firsthand and seeing what this has done. It's crazy. So I hope I hope for our listeners that by sharing this, that maybe if we have helped just even one person avoid getting into a situation like this, that's certainly our hope, that through you sharing this and through inviting some experts on, we can hopefully hopefully, help at least a few people out there.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes you realise that you know, we spend a lot of time talking about these hilarious bad dates that we find ourselves on because there are so many horror stories. But when you think about a bad date in terms of being scammed to the point where you can't feed your four children, it really brings it all back to reality and it gives you that perspective and I kind of guess that this conversation is about giving our listeners the belief that we are acknowledging that a bad date in the in the way that we've been representing it is nothing compared to say what I've just gone through.
2: Well thank you for sharing that Monique. You're welcome. So our guest today is Anshol Rege who is an associate professor with the Department of Criminal Justice at Temple University over in the States. She spent the last 10 years researching cybersecurity and cyber attacks. And before we head over to Anshal, I should also mention that Monique had lost her voice before recording this interview, so she sounds a little bit croaky. So let's head on over to Anshal. Monique and I are very excited to be talking to you because we feel like we we want to know more than we currently know about scammers and fake profiles and all that sort of stuff. So I guess to start with, Monique and I and I think a lot of our listeners have been very reliant on the online dating apps given COVID and various stages of lockdown certainly that we've been in in Australia where we're based. And I want to know what are the things that we can do to tell if an online dating profile is a fake one?
1: So there's some telltale signs. One way would be to look at the picture that's associated with the profile. So, for instance, how many pictures do they have on their profile? There's just one or two. That might be a sign. I'd also say pay attention to the context of the images. So do they have friends and family in there? Are they casual in nature? This might be an indication that the photo was taken by an actual person. If it's someone who's absolutely stunningly gorgeous, was that photo lifted off of a dating uh, website somewhere else or a modeling website? Right. So these are some of the telltale signs just by looking at the photo that's associated with the profile. Another way is to look at the actual text that goes with that profile. Obviously, if the grammar is off, that could be an indication of a scammer or that you're potentially speaking with a bot and not a real person. Uh, You want to be a little bit cautious about that perfect profile. So are they bragging about how wealthy they are, their status in society? Um, And this could uh, serve as a means to draw someone in, to lure someone into your specific profile. Yet another way, just try to Google the person, right? Look that person up just google search or look up to see if they have a social media profile that can at least give you a way to get a pre- preliminary uh, background check on the person to see if that person is legit so do they have twitter do they have facebook uh, a linkedin profile and of course we're all familiar with the uh, with the adage right if it's if it's too good to be true probably is
2: that's very helpful i want to come back to the photos because i i have heard to be wary of people that are incredibly attractive because they probably just lifted photos from somewhere else. Now, in a previous episode, we talked about doing a reverse image search, but can you talk us through how would we actually find out if we've got our suspicions about someone being too good looking, how do we find <laughs> out if those profiles actually belong to some, you know, model in Paris?
0: Yeah, we don't want to discriminate against the hot people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Of course, of course. So a couple of ways, right? So one way to do this again is if you do a reverse image search, you might end up seeing that same image in a couple of different locations. So if it appears on a modeling website, for instance, or if it appears on a different dating website under a different name. And this has happened where you have images of one person show up on multiple different websites, dating websites under different aliases, right? And so basically, if you can see if there's a mismatch, or if there's a disconnect, or if it doesn't add up, right, if the image doesn't align, or it's not consistent with text or titles in various locations, that's a good sign as well. And it's not always models whose images could be lifted to. If I have a photo of myself on an actual dating website. I'm a legitimate person and I have paid for this service on this dating website. Someone could lift that image up and put it somewhere else. And I have no way of knowing that, you know, and and again, this has happened to quite a few people where, you know, they were registered at one website, but then their images have shown up on other dating websites under different names and different profiles. So these these are just some of the ways that you can try to dig that up.
2: Wow, that, that is quite scary to think about photos being lifted and put somewhere else. You mentioned just Googling the person. Monique and I refer to that as the Google security check. Um, yes. <laughs> and this might sound like a strange question, but if you're Googling someone, if you're trying to find their identity, what do you do differently to the average person given this is your world?
1: Oh, um, you know, and even the best of the best uh, might not do a thorough job, right? I guess it really depends on how many layers or iterations of searches you want to go through. Can you, first off, like I said, find them on LinkedIn, cross-check that with a Twitter account. Yeah, so see if you can, I guess, cross-tabulate them with a couple of other social media platforms, if they have listed certain friends that are well-known or also have accounts, can you go see if they exist, right? So there's, I I guess what I'm trying to say is, is how thorough do you want to be when you are finding this person? How many iterations of searches do you want to go through? And then part of it is also once you you start speaking with a person or engage with a person, that might give things away too. So one is yes, that preliminary check, right? But that doesn't mean the check's done, right? Something may have uh, fallen through the cracks. Maybe you didn't notice something because we are human after all. We do make errors in judgment uh, and we may think that we have done our sort of surface check. Uh, But once you start talking to the person, you have to be cognizant through those exchanges as well. So just because someone's sort of passed that preliminary check doesn't mean it's game over and that that person is reliable or legit. I think that's really important to note. What are the most common types
0: of scams in the world of online dating?
1: Yeah, so in my research, I basically found that there's three types. Perhaps the most famous one that we all know about is that romance scam, right? This is probably the best known and this could be as simple as a one-person operation or a com- complex, uh, sophisticated, larger network. So regardless, the overall scam process is going to follow a pattern. So you're going to start by you know, the scammers are going to create a fake account. Again, we talked about this, right? Using images and profiles, perhaps of real daters or whatever they can scrape um, from freely available images online. So once they've set up their account with this image and this profile, they're then going to start initiating contact with individuals, perhaps commenting on how much they have in common or how something about the profile sparked their interest, right? You need that hook. And once they get that response, they've set out the hook, the bait, somebody takes it, so they've gotten a response, that's when they start what is known um, as the grooming process. So they can try to establish trust and bond with the individuals. And this could take anywhere from six to eight months. And once this bond is established, that's when you're going to have scammers who introduce a series of desperate circumstances. So something tragic or urgent or necessary that needs financial assistance. And it could start off as, A small amount, but then the demands increase over time. And this is probably going to happen either until the victim just has no more funds to offer or the victim realizes, you know, that he or she or they have been conned and they refuse to pay further. In this scenario, if they realize that they're being conned, an unfortunate possibility then is that they might be extorted at this point depending on what kind of exchange they've had with the the scammers. So, for instance, if they sent racy photos or if they had intimate video chats, scammers could threaten to release these on either porn sites or just publicly unless victims pay up. So, in this case, the scam has now, unfortunately, evolved into sextortion. So, that is one type. You then also have... The situation where you think you are speaking with a real person, but you're actually communicating with a bot. And a bot is basically an artificial intelligence program, and it's programmed in a very sophisticated manner. So these bots are smart enough to tailor their responses specifically to someone's comment or, or question, And they're so sophisticated that the average person is not going to be able to distinguish and and say that, hey, I'm actually not talking to a human being. I'm talking to an artificial intelligence program. So what would happen in this case, for instance, and of course, there's many variations here, of course, but the way this would work is a love bot, for instance, as I like to call it anyway, would take on a persona maybe strike up a a risque conversation with you. And then afterwards, try to take you away from that platform onto a separate website, you know, and so they provide you with a link. And a few things could happen, right? When you click on this link, either it could introduce malicious software onto your device and that could lead to a whole bunch of other things like ransomware, downloading viruses, all sorts of things. Or it could also ask you to enter your credit card details so that you have access to this other platform that you're being directed to. And that's pretty much it, right? They just want you to enter their credit card, the details to prove that you are an adult, but they've basically just made off with your credit card. And so that's another possible uh, scenario that can happen with a dating bot. And the third one that I found is that you're dealing with a fraudulent dating site. So this borders on corporate crime. So let's say you have a profile on a dating site and you've paid premium membership so you can get all the perks, right? So unlimited messaging, viewing details of all the profiles and so on and so forth. Let's say you haven't had any success in finding someone through this site and your membership is about to expire and you have no desire to renew it. So a couple of weeks, maybe a few months before this membership expires, someone from inside the dating website, an employee perhaps, will pose as another dater and then reach out to you to show interest, right? And this gives you um, hope and you're now, you want to continue conversation with this person so you're more likely to renew your membership so that you can meet and and engage with this new potential love interest, of course, right. once you renew your membership, this person eventually reduces communication and just disappears. And the company now got your money. So these are the three types of scams. And broadly, of course, like I said, there's variations in these, but that's how I would classify them.
2: Wow. It, like if you could see Monique and I sitting here listening to you, I feel like our mouths are just wide open in shock hearing these awful, awful things. Just so we don't put all our listeners completely off dating. I mean how common are these types of scams and how often are we essentially coming across these fake profiles? Is it one in a hundred, one in a what, thousand? What are the odds of this happening? <sighs>
1: You know, that's a great, great question, and I wish I had some statistics for you, but I don't know if anyone's actually looked at that, and that might actually be a very interesting area of research for the academic community, and it gets a lot more complex now when we're looking at deep fakes and the fact that you can have computer-generated animations and images that aren't even real people right? So then what does that mean for the profile images that you have? How do you even reverse image search something like that if the person just doesn't even exist, right? So these are all of the complications that come with advancements in technology, uh, and that's just going to make answering that question of how often does this happen all the more difficult. There are, for instance. Currently, anyways, there are websites that are dedicated to this, like romance Scams Org. They have databases of scammers that have been identified. But the issue is, you don't really know who the scammer is. All you know is that this was the image or this was the profile that was associated with it. And the one thing with online dating, as is the case with many, many cyber crimes in general, is that you never really know who you're speaking with. and it, It's very hard to get at the identity of the person. A lot of dating websites may not necessarily even vet the accounts that are created on there. So I wish I had an answer uh, mm-hmm. to that question, but I can say that it's, it's more common It's only going to get more interesting with the introduction of big data, artificial intelligence, and deep fakes. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb.
0: What I want to ask you is I was the victim of a scam. However, my scam was more quick and immediate. And I really feel it was the hustling nature of this guy and the fact that I didn't have time to think that made it plausible, that made it eventuate. And we talk about this concept of grooming. And I think it's important to note that grooming isn't always a long-term phenomenon What percentage of grooming is more immediate, and what is more long term? I, I still feel really compelled to make sure our listeners are aware that grooming doesn't have to be a protracted
1: experience. Right, right, and like I said, there's there's immense variations in this. So, in your um, unfortunate experience. May I ask how many, you know, how long had you known this person before or or how many in-person meetings you had with the individual?
2: So Monique had only been chatting to him for about 48 hours. So they'd had some FaceTime calls and then, yeah, within 48 hours had met for a drink.
1: Right. And what was it that made you want to meet that person?
2: because he was really humble and non-threatening.
0: He made me feel like he was out of my league. So as a very busy mum with children... I, I don't really ha- often have time to actually go out for a drink. And it just so happened to be that he was very spontaneous and I just happened to not have my kids for an hour
1: or two. So this, this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? So grooming, by definition, yes, it could be long-term, but the sort of embedding concept here, the underlying concept here is that of social engineering. And I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with this term, but it's basically a tactic where you convince someone to either share sensitive information or give you access to something, which otherwise this person wouldn't have access to or wouldn't be able to get. And social engineers, the best example of this are individuals who are salespeople, and going to your example right? of uh, 48 hours, think about it, when you've gone into a store or to get a, a car salesperson, for instance, they've got a limited amount of time to sell you on something to convince you to get you to buy this car. If you look at some of their characteristics, they're very charismatic. They could be very personable. It could be, again, as you, you for instance, identified, I found this person to be humble. So what is going on here is, is it's this art of persuasion, if you will, and it's influencing you without you even knowing that you're being influenced. So uh, from the get-go itself, there's lots of things that are going on here, right? If we're looking at someone who's, let's say on an online dating site, chances are what they're looking for is a connection with another individual. And the scammer knows this all too well. They're trying to hook you in, to lure you in. They might tell you exactly what you want to hear at that time. So if it's something that they want to meet you really quickly, what are the right things to say as opposed to, okay, this person might need more convincing. I might need more time uh, with this person Then what's the corresponding technique that I want to use. So do they perhaps compliment you on your personality about how wonderful you are, all the amazing things that you've done, what we have in common, right? So they're going to shower you with uh, attention. Of course, I'm simplifying this. When you've been through the experience, it's, it's a completely different different thing altogether. But they are very, very, very talented. They are really good at what they do. They have immense finesse. And this is a personality trait. It's, it's an underlying trait. They're really good at it. And it could be trust developing that happens immediately, if not over long term. right? something they say, something that really, that sparks something. It's like, oh, I found this person to be really humble. Or I found this person to be so much like me, like we completed each other's sentences. And if if I'm really good at what I do, I'm going to be able to read my potential really well. So I might, for instance, and, and there's a whole psychology behind this. So for instance, consider the likeness or commonality persuasion technique, and and here a scammer is going to demonstrate something that they have in common uh, with their potential victim. So. A shared experience, perhaps over jobs or children. And this is going to help establish a connection with with the victim and make them appear like just a regular person, just like you, someone with a similar lifestyle who gets it, who knows the humdrum of, of everyday life. They can also use the natural inclination to help technique, right? So, as human beings, that's how we're wired. We're wired to help. Each other out, especially if someone's in need. So if they meet up and they say, Hey, I just need to go do this, can you help me out a little? Or if it's someone that's been grooming uh, you over a long period of time and has established that strong hold over you, and and then something happens, like, oh, my brother's in the hospital and I really need money to help pay those bills. Can you send me money? If 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 I was establish this bond with you over six months, it's almost going to be difficult for me to say no to help um, you out. I'm going to try everything that I can do uh, to help you. So there's different types of psychological persuasion techniques, uh, and they could be used for short term. They could be used at a much longer term, like the grooming process. Uh, But there's a lot of of psychology that goes uh, behind this. So it really depends, I think, on what situation uh, you're in and and how that works out.
2: And if people want to read more about this, because I think it's absolutely fascinating, are there any books that you'd recommend to help people identify these telltale signs of persuasion?
1: There's a lot of great psychology books out there in general that you can look up. There's been a lot of research in the space of cybercrime and psychology even to understand how, not necessarily for romance scams, but how do people fall for scams in general? They can pick up any um, book on social engineering that just talks about these types of things. And I do want to stress on the fact that social engineering is not something that is always used for malicious purposes. We all try in our behaviors to uh, you know to try to manipulate something to our advantage and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's malicious. So theres there's many different books that are available uh, out there, but if they just look up with these types of, of keywords, they should be able to come up with some pretty, pretty good and well-known ones. I find it really
0: disheartening that you mention that the grooming process can take six to eight months, let's say, because if I'm in a relationship with someone for six to eight months, I'm not a scammer, but I'd hope that we would have formed a connection deep enough for me to ask them for help, if I needed it, maybe not financially, but if that, but if I needed financial help, I feel that my partner of six to eight months would be someone I could ask, and vice versa. So, if I am in a partnership for six to eight months and I am asked for help to pay someone's sick brother's medical expenses, and I now have to have my wits about me
1: that they're scamming me, that really upsets me. How do we differentiate? that and that becomes the tricky part right there's the tangible and the intangible damage of this obviously the tangible the financial loss but the intangible is you're right you know it's it's emotionally devastating it can change your ideas of trusting someone so it's very it's very damaging and of course you can't go necessarily always talk to people about it because you might be embarrassed by how they're going to perceive you but there's how do you differentiate there's there's a couple of things that, that you can do. So let's say they have asked you for money and, and then you do give money, do they reciprocate? Right? If this is someone that you feel is someone that you have that special connection with, that that you would do everything to help this person out, would they do the same? And that's that's one way of of also seeing how if this person is legit or, or not. Would they be able to reciprocate, let's say financially or in some other way? Can they, if they can't do like a financial favor, can they perhaps connect you with someone who can get you a job? Or can they do something else that demonstrates that they're in this just as seriously as you are? So I think reciprocation is something that is so important and it's okay to ask for that. And this is something that I think individuals who are on these platforms should realize that it's okay to ask and it's okay to to test the waters and see how authentic the person that you're communicating with is. So so differentiating, you're right, it does get tricky, especially if you're you've been involved with a person for a long period of time. But asking questions and asking for a reciprocation is a good way to check for authenticity and also to demonstrate that, yeah, that person is just as serious about me as as I am about them. So I think that's a a good way to to really see if if, you know, this person is for real or are you actually have you been communicating and conversing with uh, with a scammer?
2: Mm, that's great advice. Um, final question. If listeners want to connect with you in some way, read more of the work that you're putting out there, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, uh, they can email me uh, at reggae at edu. So that's R-E-G-E at temple, T-E-M-P-L-E dot edu.
2: Fantastic. Anshul, it has been fascinating and very, very helpful talking to you. I know Monique and I have um, have loved this and we've been taking notes furiously. Uh, lots of great things that we can apply. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Anshul. Thank you for having me.
2: So Monique, what was your main takeout from that?
0: Look, I found the whole lot immensely supportive and reassuring to know that I wasn't the only one that has fallen victim of a dating scam. And obviously I knew that, but you know, I feel that I'm a pretty savvy person who has my wits about me. So just to realize that, um, anybody can be groomed for a dating scam, was really reassuring. I would like to know what you took out of it because as you know, Amanda, given what I've been through and my decision to discuss this on our podcast, I really want to make sure that you learned something from this that will make you more vigilant in your
2: um, future dating. So what was your take home? I've started looking more differently at dating profiles that maybe seem fake. So just thinking about what Anshal was saying around You know, just like looking at the pictures and looking at the text, and does it look like that someone that speaks really good English has actually written the profile? So, I I feel like I'm a little bit more suspicious of profiles that have an incredibly attractive guy that can't seem to write English very well. So, that would be a big takeout for me, just trying to be better at spotting fake dating profiles.
0: Yeah, just being vigilant for any kind of incongruity regarding the mismatch of pictures versus content in the words. Yeah, I think that's really, that's a good one.
2: Mm, Yeah, but hopefully our listeners all took something out of that. And look, we do hope that this particular episode prevents at least one listener from falling victim to some kind of a dating scam, because we would hate for anyone to go through what Monique experienced a few months ago that is it for today's show. If you have enjoyed How to Date, why not share it with other people that you think could benefit from some of the advice that we are offering. And if you enjoyed this episode, we would love to get your feedback. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this show from. And we will see you next time. See you soon.